was all the same I was under the sky, no new horizons Maybe there is no one else to Hello everybody and welcome back to the Campbell's Footballs podcast. I'm joined uh, for this episode uh, by a youth football coach um, from Celtic uh, Academy, uh, Kyle McCulloch. Kyle, a warm welcome to the show. Hi Grant, um, I'm happy to be here and I'm looking forward to, uh, to this afternoon's chat. I'm very excited. Yeah, I'm really excited as well. Now before we kick off, um, you were supposed to be getting married today, weren't you? They were recording this on the 3rd of September. Yes, you're right. I was uh, right now. I would have probably been just getting ready to get married. Yes, so we, our wedding was meant to be going ahead over in Tuscany in Italy. Um, obviously, with the, the, the current sort of situation we're in, uh, sadly that had to be cancelled. Uh, so I am I'm, I'm, I'm doing this instead, Grant. I'm doing this. Instead. <laughs> I I feel really honoured that you chose me instead of uh, a wedding to, to sort out. But I suppose coronavirus will have a a major part to play. A lot of people, my listeners, might not know that you're actually uh, engaged to Connie McLaughlin, a, a previous guest of mine. Yes, I am, yeah. So uh, I met Connie just over two years ago on a, a wee night out in Edinburgh, and uh, the rest is history. <laughs> yeah, she, she's fantastic crack, and I, I enjoyed having Connie on the show, and she's, she told me when she was on that she had the coronavirus, which must have been quite scary for you guys. Yeah, it was. Yeah, so uh, Connie got really quite ill um, around the, the sort of end of March time. Uh, she was really, uh, it, it hit her pretty hard and it, it, it was quite tough because obviously at the time uh, we were in lockdown, I wasn't working, uh, Connie's kind of wasn't doing much either with the football, um, being pretty much scrapped across the board uh, so yeah it was it was quite it was quite a scary time and thankfully she's she's now a lot better but she is still getting the odd wee symptom here and there and that's what we've both kind of been looking at and and there is this long COVID thing where a lot of people who have had it are, are c- complaining about these symptoms maybe five, six months after they were actually mm-hmm. diagnosed or, or tested positive. So it's it's just quite a scary thing, Grant, isn't it? And it's yeah. something that, I mean, it's a lot of people will probably be sitting there listening to this or, or at home thinking, ah, oh, well, it didn't really affect me. I don't know what the big, the big deal is, but it's... it's it's a thing, and it's out there, and it's it's and it's not really going away, is it? I yeah. mean, it, it, be, it's a lot better now, and we seem to have things under control a lot better. But it's it's still there, and it's still um, it's still causing a wee bit of uh, anxiety and and, and stress yeah, no, across the. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, you're absolutely right, and uh, no, I I completely. Uh, echo your words. I mean, I've been working from home since March and uh, it's it's been a really strange time. You know, I've had to adapt my way of working and I'm sure many people listening to this will have had to do the same, but it really is scary coronavirus and it, people have had to adapt and change their own style of working and obviously being a coach yourself, that must have a big change. Yeah, 100%. So uh, I stopped we were quite sort of proactive in it at Celtic. So what we done is we stopped before actual lockdown came in. Uh, I think for me, it was a great decision. I mean, for me in football, especially working with young kids, the the well being and safety of them is paramount. Do you know what I mean? It comes before absolutely anything for me. Uh, and I think the club were really sort of 
proactive on that and, and sort of ceased everything pretty early. Uh, so I think that was mid-March. And yes. uh, that was it, really. Everything kind of stopped. I mean, I, I, I'll go on to talk about my, my own business as well, Grow Football, but I kind of took the, the initiative with that as well pretty early to... to to really just stop everything and it, it, it was a really tough decision because a lot of the kids that I coach um, with my own stuff they they look forward to that do you know what I mean they're maybe only training once twice a week uh, no games uh, and then come to me at weekends and it's for a lot of them it's the, the sort of highlight of their week and for me to take that away from them was really really hard and it was a, a really tough decision but as I said at the start there the the safety and the well-being uh, of these kids is, is paramount. Yeah, I know you're absolutely right again, and I think with with a situation like this, everybody's own health and safety is of paramount importance. And you know, young kids, you know, it, it, especially, it, it is a very troublesome time for them because they don't really understand what's going on. And you know, the fact of the matter is, you know, that, as you we've kind of alluded to throughout, this virus is still very much on the go. But hopefully. We are heading towards some form of uh, kind of things levelling out, but we'll just have to wait and see. Kyle, it's a real pleasure to have you on the show. First of all, before I go any further, I just hope when to wish you and Connie well. Uh, whenever your big day comes, you know, it's a, a real shame what has happened with COVID-19. Uh, but hopefully uh, the great times will come around the corner in the, the near future. And also uh, another shout out to Connie to hope that uh, she is uh, she is getting back to full fitness. And uh, it was once again great to have her on the show previously. For listeners listening, if you haven't listened to my discussion with Connie, please go back to the Campbell Fools archive and listen to our chat. But back to you, Kyle. It's great to have you on the show. Um, my first question I always ask my listeners is, uh, what made you want to work in football in the first place? Well, that's a good question, Grant, and I've had to really uh, to sit here and, and, and rack my brain because my memory is not the best. But um, my, my sort of early memories uh, of kicking a ball were... were as a young boy, do you know what I mean? Five, six year old and, and just really growing up with a football at my feet. Um, my family were, were really involved in football, so my, my uncle and my, my older cousin both played at a senior level, um, both played with Wraith Rovers, Aloha, uh, a team, sorry, in the, the lower leagues. So I was always around guys that, that were involved in football. My, my dad as well played amateur in Edinburgh. So I, I was always at games or, or, or around the changing room and I, I got a real buzz for it at, at an early age. Um, I was lucky enough that my mum and dad were, were really supportive as well. I had a, a really good upbringing where I was I, I was lucky enough to, to be taken to games and, and taken to training and things like that. So um, I, it was my, my, my earliest memories are probably that. I then started playing uh, for a local team, Bonnerig Rose. Um, they, they've actually got quite a good junior team. Yeah. Um, they've, they've done really well in the, the most recent years playing uh, playing Hibs in the Scottish Cup so I, I was lucky to get in with that club right probably at the very start I think I was in the, the first boys club team um, to start with Bonnerig Rose so they, that was that was my, my sort of early um, introduction to football um, and around that time as well I would have been probably about uh, 7 or 8 and, and off the back of that Euro 96 
Euro 96 has a real uh, it, it comes up quite a lot when I go back to think about football and uh, that sort of the campaign we had with I think we played Holland the first game yeah from the, yeah yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. now we're Holland and then uh, we beat Switzerland one now from there. Yes, that's right. The superb alley, the Koi School, or twenty-five well, yards. Yeah. <laughs> Again, Ali McCoy pops up a lot in my, my early memories. My mum was a massive fan of Ali's, and she speaks. She, I remember her speaking about him all the time. And, and my mum was a she was a sort of Rangers fan, and, and my, my dad was Celtic. So. Um, my mum was a, a, a big fan of Alan McCoy, so I remember that also at the time. And then obviously it was the, the sort of famous game against England where we were beat 2 0. And I think that was the one with Callister missed the penalty, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, and it was, it was. Gaza scored his famous sort of wee flick over uh, Colin Henry's head and the, the, the volley into the bottom corner. Uh, but that's, my, that's really my, my early memory in watching football and, and actually. Getting a real buzz and, and 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 desire to probably go on and play at that level. Yeah. Uh, that was my first real real memory of that, and um, it was just exciting. Do you know what I mean, you're, you're yeah. a young kid, and really, there's nothing else. Yeah. There was nothing else I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, and, and as I said, I was really lucky to to have the support of my mum and dad, and and to sort of push me towards that. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I I remember Euro '96 not as well as a lot of people, but we all remember the McAllister missed penalty, which I still believe is a great save from David Seaman. Um, and yeah. then the 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 goal that Gaza scores, which I never want to see again. It's one of the best goals in an England Scotland game, but it's a, it's one I never want to see again because it's such a yeah. an iconic goal against us. So. Sees like that. I'm not being bitter about England. It's just such a great goal, but it's. It, I I kind of feel really hard done by by that. But 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 Scotland growing up, you know, we were kind of looking at was kind of qualifying for World Cups and European Championships, and really since '98 under Craig Brown, that hasn't happened since. I know you're right, I, and, and obviously France '98, like you said there as well. We we were we were qualifying for for these tournaments, and for whatever reason it is, it's not really happened since. Um, I'm going to foresee or maybe ask me the question: How why has that not happened? And that's for me is the the, the million dollar question. Uh, if I had the answer to that, I would be probably sitting somewhere else, not you'd here. Be, but you'd be helping Steve Clark at the moment. <laughs> sitting getting prepared for the game tomorrow night but yeah. uh, I, I really I really don't know I could probably sit here for another four hours and chat to you about that one but for me I think I think we've got the players yeah I think I think right now we're probably looking at when we're fit and we've got everyone available mm-hmm. we've probably got one of the best squads we've, we've had in recent history mm-hmm. I believe that I think that we we we, we lack players in certain positions mm-hmm. of a of a real high standard. I mean, I know the the, the Tierney Robertson thing. Everyone talks about that, but I mean, how unlucky are we that we've got probably two arguably world class players in the same position? Exactly. Yeah, one of them, are, one of them, of course, a Champions League winner, and uh, you know, one a Premier League winner, and, and Andy Robertson. Yep, exactly, and and. I mean, it's just it's just really unfortunate yeah. that they do play in that position, and I, I think that 
for me, there's this argument who plays where, blah, blah, blah. I think that you need, at this level, do you know what I mean? At that level, top international, you need to play your best players. Yeah. You need need to play your best players. And if there's a way, I think Steve Clark's a brilliant coach. He's, he's, you look at his, his CV, look at the clubs he's worked with, look what he's done. I don't think there's anybody better suited to this job right now. Mm-hmm. No, I, no, really I agree. Don't. I agree, and I, I want to wish Steve well because I, I think he's a great manager. Did so well with Kilmarnock. I think he's been very unlucky in the fact that you know he's lost Alan McGregor, who who decided to call time in his career, international career, and obviously been injured as well. You know, we've had some great goalkeepers over the years on him and Craig Gordon. Uh, yep. You know, up front we've you know had Kenny Miller, who was a a real talisman for us, but we we really lack it. I feel at number nine. I, I do feel yep. personally we lack two decent centre halves. You know, Scott McKenna's probably the the lead defender, personally speaking. But that, I mean, that's up for debate. You know, right back I think is potentially a problem. You know, we had Alan Hutton in the past who always put in a shift. But you know, yep. is is someone like Stephen O'Donnell the long term option? You know, I'm not too sure. You know, where does people like Scott McTominay fit in things? A lot of people really rave about Manchester United. Has he got to play more defensive minded? You've got John McGinn, who has been a terrific player for us, and you know, players like Ryan Christie and, and James Forrest, who are match winners on their day. But it's just getting a right mix for me as well. You know, I think everybody talks about playing your best players, and I agree with that. I think it's also about playing the best formation, how it's going to work. And you know, we've got Lyndon Dykes coming through. You know, long term, is he going to be the answer? I'm not too sure. You know, we've got Lauren Shanklin, who's out at the moment. Is he going to be the long term option? I think it's going to be interesting to see how we prepare. For these two games, by the time this comes out, we'll know what it's like against Israel and the Czech Republic. But certainly for that playoff later in the year when it's for Euro 2021. Yeah, I think I think what we're looking for is a bit of consistency as well. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? You look at you look at international football, and for me, consistency is a massive thing. If you can get the same sort of boys playing in these games I mean Steve Clark's got very very little time with them mm-hmm. do you know what I mean they're not it's not like club football he's not got them every day he's not got them on the training pitch it's a very limited time that he does have with these guys and I think trying to get some sort of consistency and not team spirit because I I, 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 I believe that that'll be there it's just getting the guys playing with each other it's very different to playing at club level do you know what I mean no, you, I agree. You, know, you know these guys and out, do you know what I mean? You know, you know how to play. You know, you know how you line up week in, week out. I mean, there'll be tweaks here and there with formations and stuff. But you know what you're getting with we we are we are squad in a, in a club environment. But when you come to international, you've maybe not played with some of these guys before, and yes. injuries, players not available. It's it, it's a it's a difficult difficult task. So I don't envy them. Honestly, I don't envy them. But I really do feel that if we can get boys fit. I mean, Lee Griffiths is another one you didn't, you didn't, you didn't even no, touch on. Exactly, Lee exactly. I think Lee Griffiths is probably pound for pound our best striker, mm-hmm. or our best in that in that position. Uh, and for whatever reason it is, he's 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 not there with Celtic just now. And I, I really hope that Lee can get back to to the, the the form he was in. I mean, the games where we played England a few years back, the, the, those two three kicks he scored. Do you know what I mean? They were brilliant. He's yeah. a great, 
player and, and, and a, a player that I think that we miss massively. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, definitely. I think his energy is very important. And you mentioned the yeah. two England free kicks. I mean, they go down in history, don't they? And, and I remember those five minutes when, when the, the second one goes in. I, think, I don't think anyone expects the first to go in, but when the second one goes in, it was delirium. Yeah, it was fantastic. And, uh, and like you said before about Kenny Miller, that, that sort of talisman, I think that Lee Griffiths fits that mould. Mm. I think that he could be that player, but... I mean, I think he, uh, he, there's obviously things going on uh, with fitness and things like that. I, I really, really do hope that he can he can re just find that form that got him, yeah. got him that move to Celtic, got him into the, the Scotland setup, and and I I really hope that he, he can find that again because I think that he's our he's our one of the first names on the team sheet for me. Yeah, absolutely. In terms of your footballing inspirations, we mentioned Ali McCoy earlier on. Was was he one of them? What about some other people in your footballing journey so far? Well, this is probably going to be a wee bit different to what you thought. I would say an answer here, but a massive inspiration for me growing up and starting football was my granddad. The reason I've chose my granddad here is because Every, every game that I played as a young player, so whether it be school games, games for my club, my granddad was there every week, every week, whether it be home, away, Scottish Cup games, um, away up north, down south, uh, through the west, wherever these games were, my granddad was always there. Um, and that kind of, that really struck me was the, the sort of support that I was given. Yeah. As a young guy, young player, and it really, uh, I, I can remember being in games, and I'd look over and I'd see my granddad, and he'd be giving me really good sort of feedback. He would be giving me uh, positive messages. Nothing was ever negative from my granddad, and, I, and it was something that stuck with me. Mm-hmm. It's something that I now it now comes out in my coaching. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for me he was my biggest inspiration yeah. uh, and uh, I don't know really from a footballing side I mean you've got your you've got the, the sort of ones that stick out for me were, were I loved Zinedine Zidane I loved Zidane and I loved the way he played the game he made it look so easy his first touch was outrageous like he, he was he was a great player so I think Zidane for me, uh, growing up as a mm-hmm. as a young kid watching him playing football, yeah. um, I thought his awareness, his his vision, he was always two or three steps ahead of the other players on the pitch. Uh, I, I think he carried himself really well up until that infamous game against Italy. Yes, <laughs> we had that we that we slip, but I I think that um, Zidane for me. No. I, love, I love the way that you said that uh, Zidane's moment in the World Cup final was a, a, a wee slip. <laughs> I thought that was fantastic because, you know, he just went and gave uh, Matarazzi a good old headbutt, you know. it was. Uh, but Zidane was a tremendous player. I mean, we all remember that very famous goal um, in, 2000, in 2002, the Champions League final against Bayer Leverkusen. And I spoke to Keith Robertson again, head back to the Campbell Souls archives. You've not heard that one. He was actually a cameraman on that game at Hamden and he tells me very vividly about the Zidane goal and it's just an outrageous goal 
I still believe it's the best goal in the Champions League final. I mean, everybody talks about Gareth Bale's, which for me is a very close second, but Zidane's goal, the technique in that match was sensational. Uh, the thing is, if you go back watching sort of Zidane over the years, and I was a big fan of, of like Football Italia back in the day, and um, that was really the only way you could watch football back then, do you know what I mean? Yeah. You were Italian football, you didn't have, I didn't have Sky growing up as a kid, I didn't have like uh, anything like that, so I remember my early times of growing up watching sort of Italian football, and the technique in that league at that time yeah. was frightening. And I mean, you I mean, you mentioned Gazetta. I mean, that was my childhood as well. And, and Connie said exactly the same when she was on with myself. You know, James Richardson is my number one guest I want on the show because the man oozes class and the show was just perfect from start to finish. I, I, I mean, I used to... I, I was buzzing when that came on. I remember, right, it's coming on. I'll tell you, I'll sit down. And like I said, I think that the, the Italian league, Sarah, at that time was probably the best league in the world. Uh-huh. I think anyone will, I mean, you'll probably get a couple of people maybe arguing that fact, but for me, uh, probably it was the best league in the world. Uh-huh. I mean, some of the players... Definitely. Influenced by people like Gaza, uh, obviously, but, you know, people like Batistuta and that Juventus team, the Milan side defensively, you know, yeah. such a good league. Yeah, 100%. So, I, I, my, I would say Zidane, growing up for me... Uh, just, just had everything. Do you know what I mean? He had absolutely everything. He, he, his passing technique, his dribbling, he could, he could receive the ball under pressure. Uh, his vision and awareness for me, like I said, were outrageous. He could score goals. He could defend. Oh, he was brilliant. He was, he was, for me, one of the one of the greats, all time greats. Yeah. To catch up with more Campbell's Football's podcasts, please listen to more on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Let's go back and talk a little bit about your time with Tony Rigg, a, a terrific club. Um, you know, as you said, played Hibs recently in a, in a Scottish Cup tie. And they're a side who really do well, and they're always like, almost like these fairy tale sides that you just hope that they get a result against someone. Yeah, um, so so Bonnerig for me was, uh, I mean that's where I grew up, so it's not a big, it's not a big town, um, quite a small town and growing up that was really the, the local boys club where Bonnerig rose. Uh, funnily enough actually my first coach at Bonnerig is now the chairman of the junior team, guy uh, Charlie Kirkwood, he's now, uh, he's, so the, he's the chairman now at Bonnerig and, and he was my my first coach so it's kind of came full circle for him but yeah my, my, I start, like I said I started there when I was seven seven year old and then played at Bonnerig until I was about 13 14 so I was there a long time and for me that was my early sort of education with football yeah. um, I think for me it was a great introduction I met some great guys guys that I'm still friendly with now uh, actually my, my best friend still to this day I played with him at Bonnerig and uh, for me it was a real sort of um, a, just a good platform to start with a good club good people uh, 
good players, just a really, a really good club to be involved yeah. with. Yeah. Um, I then sort of, after that time, I think the team that I played in, what happened is the coaches, they were finding it difficult weighing it up with family life and work and stuff like that. And the thing is, I know now what what I do, I kind of, I see it from a coach's perspective and the amount of time that goes into it. And yeah. I didn't at that age really, obviously I didn't, I didn't think about that, do you know what I mean? I just thought about turning up, training, playing a game. Mm. I wasn't thinking about the work that these guys put into yeah. organising training, organising games, organising kit, all that sort of stuff. Mm. You, don't, you, don't, you don't appreciate that when you're a, you're a young guy, do you know what I mean, a young no. kid. No. So, I mean, that my time at Bonn came to an end around that age, he, he, he sort of first year I think, um, then I moved on to, I played a wee while at another local lo, local team, Lonehead Miners Boys Club, and then I moved to, to Hutchie Vale, who okay. are a very, uh, quite a prestigious club in Edinburgh and, and probably Scotland as well, if not, I mean, one of the biggest boys clubs in Scotland, and that was something that we were always, every game we played for Hutchie, we were always told, look, Whoever you're playing doesn't matter who it is. They want to beat you because you play for Hutchie Vale. So, I mean, my my, my early sort of uh, introduction to football was was brilliant. And, and some of these clubs that I played with, I mean, I was very lucky yeah. to, to play. Were you a hard trainer, or did you you kind of said to yourself that when you kind of come in to a, a, a club, you could be quite naive and maybe don't put in the hours that maybe some of the professional players do? What were you like as a trainer? Yeah, I was I was the busiest guy in the world. Honestly, I was a hundred and twenty percent at training. Um, I mean, if you speak to to some of the guys I played with, I didn't give anyone a minute. And wee games, small sided games, games at the end of the uh, training. I just, I, I didn't. I, I, I put in everything to training, and I don't know if that was maybe something that I said came from my granddad or my my, my, my dad, my parents, but it's something that stuck with me all through my life. Yeah. Everything that I do is. Is I put in hard work, I put in preparation. I mean, even this chat today, Grant. I mean, I'm sitting here with about two pages of notes. <laughs> I love the way you prepare so much for talking to me. You know, a, a random <laughs> like me. I think that's absolutely fantastic. But it's just something like I said that I've, it's been installed instilled in me since a, a very young age. That, mm-hmm. uh, and I don't know if it's subconsciously as well. I can't remember anyone ever saying to me, "Oh, by the way." You need to prepare. You need to put in a, a hard work. You need to put in effort. But it's something that stuck with me, and I'm I'm really grateful that that that, that is a, a characteristic of mine. So I to answer your question, I, I was a a very hard trainer, and uh, I I was always there. I was never late for training. I, I always made games. Um, I was very uh, a, a very hard trainer. What I lacked in talent, I made up for in effort. Yeah, and, 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 I, and I think that kind of resembles a lot of people. I mean, myself, I mean, I don't play the game, but I, I'm quite a determined character in life, and I always try to give my best to absolutely everything I do, because if you don't put in 100%, then whenever things go wrong, you can't have you have to have a problem, you know? It's, it's, it'd be a real um, pain. But if you put in the work and you put in the hours, then things surely pay dividends further down the line. Yeah, 100%, 100%, and as I said, I think, so, uh, to, to go back to that, that time, I, 
after I, I left, so I left Hutchison Vale, I left Hutchison Vale, and I signed for a team in a Leithen Vale. Now they were a, they were an East the Scotland team. Uh, they, they play actually in the, the sort of they're in that pyramid system now. Um, but before that, it was a it was a sort of East of Scotland league. So they were a, a semi-professional team. So what had happened is at under so I was 17 at the time, and we were playing in an under 19s East of Scotland league, which was a new sort of idea. It was the first season that that had been that that had started actually. So. I was lucky enough with uh, a few guys that I'd played with at Hutchie Vale and Salveson, Salveson Boys Club. We kind of formed this this East of Scotland inner leaving team, mm-hmm. um, and that was my first real sort of introduction into football in a more structured and professional uh, sort of setup. If you know what I mean. Yeah. We were uh, we were then playing so. Part of the part of that setup in that East of Scotland league was that we would we were entered into the BP Youth Cup, which was a lot of the sort of um, pro youth teams at that time. So you had your sort of Rangers, Celtic, and then it would filter down into your um, other sort of clubs like yeah, yeah. St Mirren's uh, whoever it may be Air United teams like that and we were lucky that we got drawn against Partick Thistle in that BP Youth Cup yeah. now as I said at the start my memory of games and, and things like that when I was younger is, is very quite vague Grant but I do remember this game as against Partick Thistle and Chick Charnley was the manager in the Partick team now Chick as you, you probably know is quite an animated guy superb he, guy he's yeah, his his language at times is probably uh, I'm not going to repeat any on this podcast. <laughs> I just I, I do remember that game really really quite vividly, and it was a game that I played really well. I, I have a, a memory of me playing really well in that game, and we were in the game. We were probably. I mean, the party boys probably turned up that day thinking, right, this is going to be a walk in the park. Do you know what I mean? The, these guys are, are, are playing at a, a sort of level quite a bit below us. Um, but to be honest, we, we we were more than a match for them that day. And, and it was a game, I, like I say, I, I remember I, I played really well. And that was probably the first time that I actually uh, felt like I could... Really play at that level. Yeah. Before, before when I was younger, uh, I really I struggled with probably self belief mm-hmm. and believing in myself. Yeah. I, I, I was always told as a young player that I was I was a good player and I, I, I won like countless awards at Bonnerig and things like that. But I didn't. I don't think I believed in it myself. Yeah. Yeah, is um, that is that a regret you have looking back? If you had your time again, would you would you change anything up? Change anything up? Uh, I don't really. Or like could you change anything up? I should say. I, I don't really like saying I regret things because I'm a I'm a massive believer in like these things have happened to shape me today. Do you know what I mean? But yes. I do uh, something that I speak about a lot with the young kids now is having that self belief, having that uh, that sort of self awareness, how good you are, and and, and and believing in yourself and putting yourself forward. And I, I I do think that that held me back probably. Yeah. Uh, 
and 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 at that age of being maybe 17 and and then really just realizing it i think was probably too late and on after that 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 game i think it was maybe two or three months later uh i done my cruciate ligament for the first time uh-huh. so that put me out for for two years and really i didn't after that i never really got back to anywhere near that level yeah. and talking about that now and looking back i it, it was quite a it was quite a sad time yeah do you know what i mean it was a time I was probably doing really well and, and, and probably could have kicked on yes. off the back of that game. But, I mean, as I said, I think the things that have gone on in the past have shaped me to, to where I am now and to, to where, I, where I'm at coaching-wise. So I've not got any regrets. I do maybe hope, wish that I had been a wee bit more... Believer? but... Um, nah, no regrets, Grant. No regrets. I said I was asking. Do you think you could have been a bit, a bit braver with things? Yeah, probably. Yep. I would. I think bravery is a massive, massive part of football as well. And and I probably could have been a wee bit more braver. Um, the one for me is, is was the self belief, though. Yeah. Yeah. Believing, believing in, in, in myself and 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 just real relying. A wee bit more on 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 what I was good at. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but uh, it's one of these things, do you know what I mean? Yeah, uh, it wasn't me, so uh, we move on. Yeah, we absolutely. On. And and let's move on. You moved into coaching. How did that come about? When did you think I want to give coaching a try? So this is a bit of a this is where the story goes off piece a wee bit, Grant. So I was always kind of I always tried to get back into football. So after that first first injury, it took me kind of two years to get really over that. And I came back. I played a couple, a few games for another East of Scotland team. I kind of went back, played a bit amateur, went back East of Scotland again, and it just wasn't happening. For one reason or the other, it was the injury. I don't know if it was in the back of my head. I just couldn't get back to where I was. And for me, that was really quite... It was quite disheartening because I knew in my head I could do it. And I knew what I was doing, but my body just wasn't allowing me to do it. Now, you'll hear, you'll probably hear a lot of guys who are older, maybe, that have just retired to the game and have played at a really high level, and that's what they say. But I felt that when I was, like, 21, 22. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. that, for me, I shouldn't have been feeling that at that age. And it was, it was quite disheartening. And I kind of... I didn't lose... I didn't lose love for the game, but... I just, I, I, I was quite disheartened with it all, and mm. I, I, I kind of lost a bit of interest in it. Um, but what had happened is I, I was on holiday with, I went on a, a sort of boys' holiday. I was away with a couple of my mates, and I had a, a sort of a, a, a brief chat with someone I met on that holiday, and they spoke to me about a book called The Secret. I don't know if you've heard of it. I've book. not, no. So. This is a sort of self-help, self, uh, 
sorry, I, I self help where it's the the sort it, it talks on the, the sorry thing of believing it, like going back to the thing of believing in yourself, uh, being able to attract things with your thoughts and putting out all this sort of positive energy into the universe and what you put out you'll get back and all this sort of stuff. Yes. And I'd never I'd never heard of this before, right? And I was like, sounds like a load of rubbish, do you know what I mean? Sounds like a load of rubbish. So it was something that was always in the back of my head, this book, right? So I came back for this holiday and I thought, right, I'll tell you what, I'm going to buy it because it wasn't, it wasn't leaving me, right? This book and this sort of chat I'd had wasn't leaving me. So I went away, I bought the book and I read it and it, it, it kind of, something about it resonated with me. So off the back of that, I thought, right, you know what? I've still got something I can give you to football. It might not be playing, but I think I've got a lot to give. So I thought, right, what's the next the next step I can take then? It, it's, it's coaching. So it's coaching. So what I've done is I got back in touch with Bonnery Grows, where it all began. And uh, luckily at the time, I'm good friends with, with Stephen Whitaker. So Stephen obviously was at Hibs, uh, Rangers and, and Norwich, so he's had a, a brilliant career now. I've done, well, done well at Scotland as well, internationally. Exactly, I so I, I grew up with Stephen and I'm, I'm still a, a real good friend with, with him. So what happened is his brother-in-law had started a, a team at Bonnerig. So he was like, look, get in touch with Jamie. So what I'd done is I got in touch with him and I was like, look, Jamie, I'm, I'm, I'm really interested in getting involved in coaching. So he was like, great. He's like, I need somebody to help me. He's like, you're young. I think the kids will really, uh, I'll really sort of connect with you, I think you'll be great so that was it, I started there and then I, I, I loved it, I loved it I was there for about three years and in that, that three years I started to, to sort of work on this bigger plan and bigger vision so part of this, this, this book obviously the secret that I'll, I'll go back to is that you can visualise things, yeah. you can visualise into existence, right? So what I've done is uh, I, I thought, right, I'm going to start here. So I'm going to start here with Bonnery Groves. But what I want to do is I want to go to America. So I want to go to America. I want to coach at America. I then want to work with a club, right? So that was my loose sort of vision and goal. Now, I gave myself a sort of 10-year 10 10-year 10 window that I would do this in, right? So... That was always that was always in the back of my head. Now I thought about this all the time. Now I remember telling people at the time, look, this is what I'm gonna do. Telling friends, telling family. And to be honest with you, Grant, some of the folk were like, right, oh, load of rubbish. Like, that's not gonna happen. Like, you need to you need to sort of take your expectations down a wee bit. I mean, you've, you're starting off at a, a boys club like that, it's going to be difficult to get to where you want to go. So I was very, at this point I was like, now nah, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. I touched on the be self-belief thing at the start there and me, for me, something shifted. Something shifted in me where I thought, nah, I can do this. Yeah. There's nothing. I can't do this. There's none. The only thing that's holding me back here is probably myself. Yeah. So something shifted massively, and I don't know what it was. If it was that book, I mean, some people might take away for that, read that book, and think, "Ah, oh, it's a load of crap." But for me, 
something did shift whether it was a book whether it was just that that, that thought of doing that and and just really changing my mindset but for me something did change so yeah. as I said I'd done my three years with Bonnerig and then I sort of chance meeting uh, with one of the, the kids that I coached at the time his dad said to me look um a guy I went to uni with, is, uh, he works for a quite a big company over in America and they're looking for, for coaches. He says, I think that you'd be ideal for the job. He says, I've actually spoken to him and put your name forward. Um, and I, at the time I was like, right, this is it. So everything was kind of coming to fruition, do you know what I mean? So this America thing was there. It was kind of showing itself a wee bit, so I thought, right. I'm gonna I'm gonna grab this. So I went through to to Glasgow and I'd done a, a practical assessment. So I'd done a practical assessment with a group of, of, of kids from I think it was a local school. Uh, done a little a little session with them. I think it was a twenty minute session. Uh, I was evaluated from from guys from this business. Uh, done a wee sort of meeting with them as well. And about a week later, I got a got an email uh, offering me offering me a job. In America with uh, a company the UK Elite so for me that was huge and I was one step to the to my sorry end goal um, so I was absolutely buzzing with that it was yeah. a great opportunity uh, a great um, at that time it was a massive achievement for me that I got that in such a sort of short space of time uh, three, four years, and I would—I was already, already sort of that step closer to where I—I I, could—I was visualising myself being. This is this is in New Jersey, isn't it? This is this uh, Steel Sports, is it? So it's they were they were formerly UK Elite, so yeah. they're now they're now Steel Sports. Uh, but yeah, it was in New Jersey, Grant. So I was coaching out uh, in New Jersey uh, for nine and a half to ten months. Um, working with a lot of different kids, a lot of different age groups, uh, abilities, different backgrounds. But for me, it was absolutely brilliant. And it's something that I feel has really benefited me as a coach. Yeah. Uh, Does a part of you want to stay in America forever and really make a life over there? Yep, yep. I, 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 did. <laughs> I really did foresee myself being there for longer than I was. Uh, but at the time, it was around the time that Trump was uh, being sort of touted as the next president and getting voted. I think he actually was voted in when yeah, I was there. Yeah, I remember around about that time because I remember doing my PhD thesis around about that time, walking to work one day and hearing the news that, that he was in and, and that he, well, <laughs> the rest is history, isn't it? <laughs> So at that time, the visa that I was on was a H2B uh, working visa. So when I came back, the the visas were all put on hold, so indefinitely. So there was no real, uh, there wasn't a day that I that I could then looked forward to to going back over there. So it was always like a a month. It was always like a monthly email I would receive back from America saying, "Look, nothing's changed." It might be next month, and that went on for a while. Uh, and at that time, I was looking for something that was a wee bit more long term. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? And something that was a bit more uh, solid. And, and and they couldn't offer me that at the time. So sadly, I had to take the decision to say, look, I can't really afford to to waste uh, the next six, seven months in my my, my sort of own pathway waiting on waiting on this happening 
I mean, it was a it was a, a sort of very mutual break part in the ways with the company because I made some great uh, connections there and great relationships with, with coaches coaches that I'm still in touch with now uh, from all across Britain. Uh, and some really, there's some really good coaches over there um, with great ideas and 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 good philosophies. Do I mean with coaching young young kids? So yeah. I, I took I took loads from that nine nine months, and I, I think that 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 really shaped me and 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 the coach that I am today. Yeah, and well, what a fantastic story. I mean, I I mean, I'd love to go to America myself sometime. I never had the opportunity, but. But hopefully, I might have an opportunity to do that in the future. Let's talk about Grow Football, which is a, a project that you've been working on for a couple of years now. How did that come about? So, so Grow Football started Grant with um, a kid, basically. So when I came back from America, I, I got back into to coaching with Bonner Grows again. Uh, it was actually a guy that I that I played with when I was younger. He uh, he started. A, a team there again and, and he, he reached out to me and he's like look he's like I want you to come along and help me out he's like um, obviously I know America's probably what you're, what you're looking for just now but he's like I mean if I can get you in and working with the kids that would be great so I started off helping him and, and, and really from a very early start with that squad of kids we, we had something special with them uh, the, the, the two of us the, the, the relationship that we got going with these kids was, was brilliant I mean they were at that time they were probably nine eight or nine I think um, and for squads that I've worked with at that age this team were up there with one of the best and I don't mean that just from a, a sort of technical um, physical tactical sort of side of things they were just a really really good group of young guys mm. they were they, they, they listened well going back to the old effort one that we spoke about at the start that effort was outstanding their enthusiasm for the game was infectious they were just a great great wee squad and we had a real a really good connection with them so what what happened is basically one of the one of the parents reached out to me and asked if I could do a wee bit extra coaching with his son uh, the wee boy's name was James uh, and James was the first kid that started to grow football Brilliant. and it's kind of it grew arms and legs from there I didn't really foresee it being what it is just now I mean I, I didn't uh, it wasn't part of the, the bigger the bigger plan as I said at the start I didn't see this happening but I mean, sometimes you need to veer off that path. You know what I mean? And, and for me, for me, this again has been a huge part in my development as a coach. So I, I started off with James, and then as it, it kind of grew, and, and the feedback I was receiving from his dad, a guy called Roddy, was was outstanding. And then it kind of it started to filter into the rest of the team. I mean, Bonnerig Rose have got so many uh, different teams through the age groups as well. It started to filter through to other coaches, other parents. And before I knew it, I was getting inundated with, with messages from kids, parents, uh, parents from other teams, just wanting uh, wanting a little bit of time with me and, 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 and helping with the, the development of their, of their young kids. And for me, it was... It was really quite, uh, 
it's quite overwhelming in yeah. a way because but very rewarding as well I assume massively massively and, and I think that for me that's one of the main things that I take away from coaching young kids now it might be Lee Jimmy who's five year old and he plays at his local boys club to to wee Johnny who plays for the under 10s at Celtic for me the the sort of the, the reward in watching these players yeah. develop get better and grow as, as young as young people as well because I think that that's a huge part of it Grant yeah. I, I mean I, I could talk about this for ages as the, the other side of football I think that uh, as coaches that we can sometimes be quite guilty of suffocating kids with, with too much information uh, too much pressure uh, at an early age and these guys they're young they're, they're, they're young they're young young kids they're learning they're still figuring things out do you yes. know what I mean no I completely agree completely agree me, just to just to give you a little bit more about growth football for those who are listening kids one to one coaching group team and preschool sessions the aim is to promote confidence in a fun environment with the fundamentals of football at the core that's at football grow on twitter for those listening to this who might want to check it out yeah, so that, that's it kind of in a nutshell, Grant. Um, and like I said, it was more... This for me was a was a, a, just a wee side project where I could probably uh, affect more kids than I was affecting at Boys Club. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and do it in a way that the environment I was creating was, was a positive one. And it was one that allowed kids to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. For Absolutely. me... I say that's that's another massive part of it as well. Yeah, it's having an environment where kids can come along and and learn and learn in a in an environment where, for me, I always say to them at the start, the introductory session with me um, is saying to the kids, look, see see if you're making mistakes. For me, is it's a positive because it means that you're trying, you're you're stepping. Zone. You're, you're trying things that you'd maybe wouldn't, you'd be scared to try back at your club in fear of maybe uh, getting sort of a bit stick from your teammates, possibly, stick from parents, coaches. Now, I, 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 that for me shouldn't be happening nowadays, no. but sadly, sadly it still is. Uh, and it's something that going back to the, the, the self-belief thing with me, I think that that could have possibly could come from that. Yeah, definitely. Being in an environment where if you made a mistake, teammates were getting on at you or parents. Well, I was lucky enough that my parents didn't, but there was maybe parents there who would maybe, you would maybe hear a wee passing comment, a wee sort of under their, under their breath but as a young kid that sticks with you do you yeah. know what I mean and and for me grow football and, and my my main uh, driving force behind, behind that is having this environment where kids can come they can learn they can have fun they can grow as young adults young people and it's it's in an environment where mistakes are, are they're, they're welcomed yeah, I think it's absolutely fantastic and you really explained that so well Kel I'll just say that again if you want to check out Football Grow check out at Football Grow on Twitter or find it on Facebook Kyle let's talk about your, your time at Celtic because you're involved with their academy how, how rewarding is that to be a part of one of the most prestigious clubs in the world not just Scotland oh Grant it's, it's, it's absolutely it's absolutely crazy to be honest, 
like I said, I had this dream, I had this vision of this happening, and it was the first day I walked through the doors at uh, Celtic Park, and I sat downstairs uh, waiting to meet um, Guy Martin Miller, who I'll talk a little bit about in a couple of minutes. It was unbelievable. I, I, I couldn't, the only thing that I could probably compare it to is probably pulling on a Celtic strip. And I mean that in a way that I was obviously, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't lucky enough to ever play at that level. But for me, this is, this is probably as close as you could get to that. Yeah. Uh, sitting in that, sitting in that chair waiting to meet uh, Martin, it was unbelievable. And the feeling I got in that stadium is, it's crazy. There was a real energy about the place. I had a this overwhelming feeling that I was in the right place. It was so strange, and it's a feeling that it's quite hard to put into words. But I yeah. knew, I knew that I was in the right place for the next part in my my journey as a coach. It was crazy. Yeah. How did it come about? Because you know, Celtic are a, a really prestigious club. So what? How, how it came about was was actually Connie was on a. a she was doing a talk at Strathclyde Uni, I think it was, uh, and one of the one of the speakers on on that day was was Martin Miller. Now Martin Miller at the time was the head of the the youth Celtic Youth Academy. Um, he's he's retired now, so he's he's not in the role anymore. But at the time it was Martin. So I think him and Connie knew each other. Uh, Vaguely, uh, they'd, I think they'd spoke in the past, or they'd come up, they'd come across each other in the past, and they got chatting. And I, I think Connie had mentioned something about uh, about me and coaching, and they got chatting just about Martin's sort of beliefs as a coach. And Connie had said that straight away she knew that what he was saying and 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 how I how I see youth football and and. and they, they aligned so she had said she had obviously said that a bit and Martin was like look I'm, I'm really quite interested in meeting Kyle he says it sounds like what you're saying to me here is very in line with what, how I see football at that age and, and, and that was it really so what happened is I'd, uh, I'd emailed Martin and said look I'd spoke to Connie uh, it'd be quite I'd, I'd really be quite keen on getting just a wee meeting with you. Now, that, that, at, this, at this point, that's all it was. Yeah. There was no part of uh, going, going there and working or anything like that. It was just, I was really quite chuffed that I'd got this uh, sort of introduction to Martin uh, and, and and having this meeting with him. So I went along. Uh, I was obviously very grateful for Martin. They gave me that sort of, I think it was a half an hour meeting that, that went on for nearly an hour and a half. <laughs> we spoke a lot about, a lot about, uh, it wasn't so much football. It was more about the the sort of, the, the other side of the game at, 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 at youth football. So the, the enthusiasm, the the connection you have with the kids, the installing all, feeling like respect in them, uh, all this sort of stuff, and and it really, it 
it really resonated with me the way that the, the, the way that he, he put this all forward and some of the stuff that we were talking about, the books that he that he'd read were all all stuff that I was really interested in. Um, I spoke a wee bit at the start about the book The Secret and a lot of, a lot of what he was talking about was, was in line with that as well about this sort of being able to visualise yourself being out there playing in front of 60,000 fans yeah. and playing with and, 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 and having a dream having a dream that you can that there's, there's, there's no reason why you can't be playing in the first team at Celtic absolutely and Celtic have, Celtic have had some tremendous young starlets come through the ranks and of course Kieran Tierney is the one that everyone springs to mind Callum McGregor as well you know do you see more of these young starlets coming into the Celtic team in the near future yeah 100% I think that obviously in my, my short time with the academy uh, it was kind of cut short with, with Covid I was in three months and then Covid started but the, 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 there's a real good atmosphere about the place honestly the atmosphere and, and the coaches that are in there are of the highest standard so for me the future is, uh, is very bright for the club in that sense that the, the, there's there's a conveyor belt of young talent coming through all the time. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. Look up at yeah, Kieran Tierney and uh, McGregor. You've, I mean, you've got guys like uh, Darren O'Day that came through there as well. Of course. Uh, McManus. I mean, this has been going on for a long, long time. Do you know what I mean? And, yes. and I, I can see this happening in. in Continuing into the, into the future, Grant. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I think it's testament to a club like Celtic to have so much young players coming through and, and really not feeling out of their depth. I mean, even players like Anthony Ralston, who've, you know, gone yeah. into the club and, and done very well. And I think we'll see more of that in the future, not just at Celtic, but all clubs. And it has to, really, doesn't it? Yeah, 100%. I think that. As I said a wee bit at the start about the, the Scotland setup, I think that we've we've got a real abundance of, of, of good players just now, young yep. players who, play, who are arguably playing at a really really <laughs> good level. I mean, you look at you, you spoke about John McGinn. Uh, you've got your Scott McTominay's, you've got your Andy Robertson's, your Kieran Tierney's, your McGregor's, your um, Ryan Christie's. I mean, these guys are all playing at a really, really high level. Yeah. There's more to come, I think. There is. If you look at the if you look at the 21 squad, and for me, Billy Gilmore is a huge, huge loss, and I, I, I'm, I was gutted to see him picking up that injury because he was probably on the crest of a wave. Definitely. Especially after his performance against Liverpool in the FA Cup, which uh, Guy yeah. Mowbray even commented on. Yeah, and I mean, for me, I really, really, and I, I think he'll be fine. I think he'll come back stronger from that injury, but there's definitely, there's, there's so much young Scottish talent out there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, you'll have to look at Aberdeen with people like Dean Campbell and obviously Scott McKenna's come through their ranks there. I mean, I'm only speaking from an Aberdeen point of view because I'm a fan, but, you know, there's a lot of youngsters that are coming through. I mean, we've already seen people like Tony Watt that was through the system at Motherwell. Okay, he's not going to make Scotland level, but the fact he's doing really well at Motherwell and, and, and getting game time again, that can only be a good thing. Yeah, 100%. And, I mean, that's something that Larry spoke about is maybe not playing at that top international level, but these 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 players will find their level. Do you know what I mean? They will find their level. And I think 
for me, what you're seeing now is, is players, obviously north and south of the border, not being scared to go and try themselves in another country. Yeah, absolutely. Well, well look what's happening with uh, with um, Aaron Hickey, who looks like he's about to join Bologna or, or you know some other, uh, maybe Bayern Munich, we don't know, but it looks like it'll go to Italy. I mean, that would be a good thing. Obviously, Liam Henderson's gone and done it in Italy. Yeah. We've seen yeah. Sancho, of course, very famously do so well uh, at Dortmund. Um, and yeah, it's just it's just great to see that, and more and more players, in my view, should go and do that because they learn a new culture, don't they? hundred percent. I think that, that if that's something, I, I try and say to kids that are maybe of an older an older age that have maybe sort of just been released from pro, pro youth or they're, they're, they're maybe struggling a wee bit at that level. Is for me. A big thing what opened my eyes is when I was in America was the opportunity over there yeah. for young players playing football or, or soccer. Uh, is the the facilities, the the infrastructure, the money, everything over there is is absolutely set up, and I think that that being an option for young players is is a good one. Going over there and, and doing your. Um, Getting your, your, your education as well alongside that. Yeah. So going over your, your university, but also doing uh, getting your, your football education as well. And I mean, it's only, a, I think, a three or four year. When you go over there, let's say when you're maybe 17, 18, you're coming back 22, 23, but you've got so much experience under your belt. You've played in a different country. You've met different people. You've, you've uh, sampled a different culture. Yeah. I mean... One of the really interesting um, caveats to this story is that you have a really good relationship with Simon Ferry, don't you? I do, yeah. So I remember back in December of last year when I, I got the news that I was actually getting the job with um, with Celtic. Uh, I got, I received a a, me- a message from Sai. Um, so I'd kind of been introduced through through Connie, as um, she knew she knew him through football. So there'd been a we'd, we'd had a couple of wee messages back and forward, and uh, <laughs> one of the first things he actually said to me was he was absolutely raging because the coach that was coming in was better looking than him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to argue with that one, uh, Graham, but I was, um, I was just happy that um, I was going into Barrafield knowing that uh, I didn't have the biggest nose. Because <laughs> uh, Simon's a, a real character, isn't he? I mean, Open Goal is one of the most listened to podcasts, not just in Scotland, but across Europe and the world. It's He captures everybody's attention, doesn't he, with the, his stories, with, with his one-to-ones, but also his discussions with Kevin Kyle and Paul Slane. It's a really good mix, isn't it? Uh, yeah, he's really um, he's really hit the nail on the head with it. I think I think it's a good mix, a good mixture he's got. He's got his, I mean, his stories are brilliant. His his, his chat's good. He's a, he's a funny guy, but 
he knows his stuff as well. Absolutely. He and he's, he's, he's not just talking rubbish on there. And I think, um, I think just now, um, he's really he's flying, and it's, it's I'm, I'm glad to see him. I'm doing so well with that. Did you did um, you ever did you ever think he would go and do something like that three or four years ago? Well, obviously, I've, I've I only really started our relationship in sort of last year, so I didn't know Sai. I've not known him that long, but I knew that when I first met him, I knew that he was obviously open goal at that time was he was doing well, but I think that he had obviously aspirations to go to go to take that to that next level um, and that was probably one of the reasons that he, that he left the academy was to, to, to spend more time on that and I mean it was it was a sad time obviously him leaving Celtic he'd been a really a big support to me and we'd had good chats regarding football um, I actually felt a wee bit sorry for the kids because it went from one funny accent to another with me coming in. So, uh, I mean, I it was it was big big boots to fill for me with Sai leaving. But um, as I said, he gave me good support and it, we had really good chats regarding the sort of youth football. And um, I was happy to kind of take the baton from him when he did leave. Yeah, absolutely. What things did you guys work on together with the groups of people that you were coaching? A lot of the stuff that we worked on, um, Grant, was just simple, simple exercises, simple exercises with simple messages. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I touched on it earlier on in the podcast that I think sometimes we are a wee bit guilty of suffocating the kids a wee bit with too much information. If you know what I mean, and and, and, and too much, uh, too much guidance. I think sometimes it's good for the kids just to play just to play, problem solve themselves, work things out themselves and they'll do that in games. So a lot of stuff we used to do was sort of wee small city games, uh, a lot of emphasis on creativity on the ball, so so 1v1s, 2v2s, looking at that from a sort of a, a, a attacking sense and a defending sense and, and just letting the kids enjoy it, let them have fun. They're yep. probably in, they're in one of the, 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 arguably one of the biggest clubs in Europe I mean, these kids are—they they could be anywhere better for me to learn to learn their trade. Do you know what I mean? As, as young players, so I—I I think a lot of the stuff we done with them was just go out and enjoy yourself, listen. Okay, we had a lot of—we had chat about that as well about the respect that they gave each other, the respect they gave us as coaches, their commitment, their integrity. It was all things that are underpinned by the club as well. So. Um, yeah, we, 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 we spoke a lot about that sort of stuff, but at the same time we had, it was enjoyment and laughs, do you know what I mean? It can't be too serious at that, at that age for me, Grant, and that was something that we both um, we both agreed on. I, I'm glad you mentioned that, because I get the impression that not only Sai is a very funny character, but also he's very serious and very passionate about not just his podcast, which has been so successful as I mentioned, but also his aspirations to be a coach and a manager, maybe perhaps in the future. Ah, yeah, well... I mean, there's no reason to see why he can't do that. I mean, he's got he's got a real knowledge of the game. He knows he's 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 obviously got a philosophy of how he feels the game should be played, uh, and that's from a young age going right up through the age groups. Because we did speak about that as well. So, no, I think that he's probably capable of going and doing that. It's yeah. just obviously 
if he if he can find the time with all that's going on. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. We've been trying to get a we've been trying to get a drink for the last six months, and uh, that's still not happened. So, yeah. so good. Absolutely. <laughs> so good I, luck. There's you, a lot. There's, but, a, there's a lot of people in the same position with myself. So. <laughs> I, I know. I know, mate. But aye, so that's it. Uh, that's my, my, my chat with Sai. So, I mean, as I said, I hope I'm all the best going forward with Open Goal. And obviously, he's on Go Radio now as well. Yeah, uh, did you, I wanted to ask you about that. Did you think he would go into radio or do a little bit more writing? Because I noticed he's doing a lot more column writing as well now for a, a newspaper in Glasgow. I know, he's a busy guy, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I think he's obviously... he's. Um, he, He's keen to try his hand at a few things just now, isn't he? So, nah, he, it's good. It's good to see. Um, and I've not actually had a chance to read any of his columns yet. Um, I don't know. I'm going to. I'll probably run over it with a wee spell check just to make sure. <laughs> Any wee errors in there, but yeah. uh, nah. I, 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 all joking aside, mate. I think uh, it's good to see. It's good to see him doing uh, doing more and more because, like I said, he's got a real uh, a real knowledge of the game. And last question for you on side: Do you th- do you expect to get a call to come on Open Goal anytime soon? Oh, you are, Connie. <laughs> there's more chance of Connie, to be honest. I'm. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure the two of you as a double act would be pretty good. <laughs> I would struggle to get a word in with it. <laughs> I'd be sitting in the corner. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, you just never know. Uh, you never know. Well, we're just about coming towards the end of a, a fabulous podcast. I really enjoyed your your dedication and your enthusiasm throughout listening to this. It's been absolutely fantastic. What is the future hope for yourself? Because hopefully you'll be getting married very soon and you know working with someone like Connie and, and obviously being a partnership together. That's a force to be reckoned with, isn't it? Uh, you say that. You say that, Grant. <laughs> now, obviously. Buzzing, look really looking forward to to the future. Obviously, next year is a big year. Uh, getting married, um, I think. Obviously, Connie's doing really well just now with with her sort of work. Um, and hopefully, the the, the, uh, the football picks up for her. And, and the future for me, I, I, I don't know. I think I, I want to continue to, to help, develop, and inspire the young kids I work with. Um, I think I'm, I'm really aware of the importance of my role now with Celtic and pro uh, football and I think my, 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 my dream for me now is to, to be regarded as, as one of the best sort of under nines, under tens coaches in Britain yeah. uh, and I that's what I want to head for now, and and no, I don't. That's not coming from a personal sort of uh, ego sort of way because that for me, you know, I, I hope that what's come across today is that that's not why I'm in this. It's it's completely opposite, and for me, that would just show that the, the regard that and it's making me. It shows that I'm doing things right and I'm making a difference and affecting. Uh, these young kids' life in a positive way. Definitely. Well, I've thoroughly enjoyed our chat. You certainly didn't come across as um, you come across very well to me, and I, I think a lot of people listening to this will uh, agree. I hope. Um, Kyle, thanks very much for coming on Campbell's Wheels and sharing your story, and I really enjoyed it. Thanks, Grant. I appreciate you having me, and uh, I look forward to hearing it. Well, listener, that brings us to the end of yet another episode of Campbell's Footballs. I hope this podcast was just what the doctor ordered. If you want to listen to previous shows or look out for future shows, follow Campbell's Footballs on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts or wherever you listen to other podcasts. 
You can also follow the show on Facebook at Campbell's Footballs. Search for me, StatoG91, or Instagram, or other social media channels. But until then, until next time, I hope you enjoyed the crack and enjoy Campbell's Footballs. What a dangerous night!